0: and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlimp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dad-a-a. So the plan for the day is going to be to go through the games that are going on today. There is no Packer game, so that makes it kind of easy. Because usually there's this conflict of, I mean, it's game day, but also, dude, there's a lot of cool games we could be talking about. Today, let's just talk about the games. Speaking of, CBS Pick'em and Pool, Andrew Robbins, Cam Dorman, Corey Stone, Danny Dubois, Dylan Anderson, James Stage, Jeff Cole, Jeremy Retz, Joey Ross, Josh Cornwell, Kyle Bernstein, Luke Holm, Michael Lee, Marillo Tavare, Troy Lundberg, Zach Jason, Zach Miller. You bunch of fools, haven't put your picks in yet. That's a lot of people getting the game. EA Sports, it's in the game. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's a thing. Now, obviously, the um, big lingering cloud, the big unknown about the games we're talking about is COVID. Something that that there's going to come a day where I don't have to say that word. Hopefully. Otherwise, just shoot me in the face right now because I'm beyond over it. But here we are again. Because uh, there seems to be a little bit of a massive explosion of COVID in the NFL. Strangely, or maybe not strangely, I don't know. There's kind of little explosions happening all over. In the political realm, the White House, Wisconsin. In fact, as you look around, there's maybe not giant explosions like Wisconsin, although there's a few. Most states are seeing an uptick. Even places on the East Coast who already had their big, giant attack are getting a second spike, like New York, who's back in the thousands for the first time since, like, May. I guess that's one good thing about us here in Wisconsin. This is our first spike. Anyways, um, that also seems to be happening in the NFL, which is really weird. Because on one hand, it's like, yeah, we knew this was coming. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but it's still weird, right? Like, we went, what, three weeks with basically zero cases? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, we got a bunch of cases on this team, and it's like, oh shoot. Oh and this football oh and Cam. Oh and these six teams. Like what why what? I just I don't know, man. I mean I don't think it's exploding that much everywhere that it just has to infiltrate every team across the country. It's not like these teams all get together once a week and hang out and play patty cake. It's happening individually. And that's what kind of leads me to believe, and it sounds like based on the investigation the NFL is doing, they have at least somewhat of an inkling that maybe this is the case. It made me think about me in school every year of my life. I was a he- terrible student. Not stupid, just hated school with a passion. But every year, man, you know, you go out school shop and you get like the brand new notebook and the, the pens and pencils and everything is like... Neat and organized, and it just like feels good. It's like when you get your car gets an oil change and a full tank of gas on the same day, and it's like, man, we got this thing humming now, baby. Check out this binder. Mmm, changes colors when you like move it and stuff. Bet you thought it was red. It's blue, son. Just motivated. Like I'm gonna do this, man. I'm getting good grades. I'm gonna do my homework every day. I'm gonna study for tests and stuff. and Then the first couple days and weeks, it's like real easy garbage. Introduce yourself is like the hardest thing you've done all year. It's like, yep, new me, man. This is a new me. And it was probably two, three, four weeks in when it's like, eh, I just, I'm not doing this anymore. I kind of just, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm completely burned out. This sucks. I did this yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that. And we're already to the point where I'm dreading Sundays because it's the day before Monday. And that's not fun. I don't care about my grades. I, que- I care about Twisted Metal 2. That stupid clown keeps laughing at me and I'm going to blow his face off. I'm not doing math homework again. I did it yesterday. I just kind of wonder if that happens in the NFL as well. Not even just with, like, COVID stuff. If that's just sort of a general thing where it's, like, New Year, been working out in the offseason, I'm feeling good, man, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And after a while, it's, like, the same stupid meetings. And you told yourself you weren't going to go out drinking and doing all this stuff. Like, I'm going to be focused, man. We're doing it every day. I'm, I'm in the gym. I'm studying hard. It's like some of your buddies are going out, and you're seeing stuff on Instagram, and you just remembered that you're super rich. It's like, man, I'm just I'm just going to go do something fun. Like I'm. It starts off small, like I'm going to go to Freddie's house. Not like there's ever been an NFL player named Freddie since like the 60s, but whatever. I'm going to so-and-so's house. And then they're like, hey, maybe we'll do this thing, but it's just like me and you. And then tomorrow we're going to go to the gym. We're going to hit it real hard. Probably really hungover, but I mean, you know, hey, we'll do this and then we'll make up for it tomorrow. And then it just spirals. And And really in the grand scheme of things, most people aren't doing this. It's just a just a few cases in the grand scheme of how many players and coaches and everything else there are. But that's all it takes, man. People just start cracking. They're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I've been sitting in this dumb hotel room and everything else, and I'm just kind of bored. And there's poor people my age going out having fun. I could retire tomorrow. Why am I sitting here doing nothing? It'll be fine, dude. I'm not going to get COVID. Come on, I'll wear a mask. I'll go to the thing. I'm I'm just saying, I could see that happening. Not everybody's cool just sitting around playing video games. I mean, I would be. Like, hey, I'm going to pay you a bunch of money. You go to the gym, try to eat kind of healthy, like steak and rice or something like super oppressive like that. And then just sit in your room and play video games all day. Like, okay. But some people maybe can't. I don't know. The good news in that, if that is the case, which it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could possibly be something else. Again, you can't keep the world out. You know, it's, it's hard to get food in side of your body if it doesn't come from the outside world where covid runs rampant it's all over the the cheetos you know in the chip aisle because covid mcmasterson's over there like f- touching everything sneezing on stuff i don't know what he's doing other than not washing his hands you know it's just i'm just saying you can't you can't be a hundred percent but hopefully this is a bit of a wake-up call where the whole like oh you know it won't be me and then the 500 other people that were going out and shouldn't have been realize that it's causing problems and the nfl's like doing investigations and checking on people and everything and it's like all right i need to i need to chill out because i'm about to get fined and if rogers finds out that i was doing that last night he's gonna be super mad i don't know man i don't know can't predict the future all i know is this kind of sucks but the first three weeks should give us hope because we did it already right i mean we're good stay inside for a couple months man kudos to the packers who so far as as far as i can tell nothing doing right again wisconsin's booming nothing's happening to the packers why i'm i'm assuming because they're behaving i don't know that's 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 my covid thing i don't know what's going on or why just saying there's there's some reason to be hopeful there's also reason to panic however you feel like handling it is fine with me just don't you know attack other people over it some people are being stupid on twitter and it's just obnoxious be nice, or go away. I'm tired of hearing you whining. I'm trying to go on Twitter and get football news, and I gotta listen to you complaining about your life. Anyways, um, so, couple different things. First of all, I put a post up. Very simple instructions. What I want you to do, there's, there's two different Iron Jock things. Two ways to win the Iron Jock giveaway. One is the Iron Jock player of the game. If you haven't seen that post, it's been up for almost a full day now. But it's only in the Cheese and Packers Facebook page, so you have to go like that page. The post is pinned right to the top, so you can't miss it. You could, but you shouldn't. It's it's right there. All you got to do, comment the player that you think is going to be the player of the game. Now, part of the reason I'm doing that, obviously, is because we're trying to grow that page. The other part of the reason is it's really hard to kind of track across all these different posts, you know. So I'm just centering it in one spot. So make sure you go like the Cheese and Packers Facebook page, find that post and uh, comment. The other way, as I posted in the Facebook group, if you have any memes, any pictures, any videos, whatever, send it to me via email. Again, it's all about just trying to centralize it in one spot. I'm trying to avoid a cough here. I'm not crying. It does sound like I'm crying, though. I get emotional about my email, all right? It means a lot to me. we have been through a lot. Don't worry about it. Any kind of Packers-related stuff. You could make something, you could just find a random meme, send in some pictures of your family, make a video, it doesn't matter. Send it to my email, thepackdaddy86 at gmail.com, obviously. I'm going to post it in the Facebook page, the Cheese and Packers Facebook page, and if it gets the most amount of, uh, what do they call them, I can never remember, reactions or something, engagements, I don't know, likes, hearts, cares... I wish they would add an eye roll to this, but they don't. I don't know. You don't need even a thumbs down. An eye roll would be infinitely better. But they don't have it yet. Um, I'll write another letter. The best you can do when you don't like something is the laugh emoji. But sometimes that gets misinterpreted as support. And I'm not supporting you. I'm laughing at you. You're not funny. You're a moron. Anyways, thepackdaddy86 at gmail.com. I'm going to post it in the Cheese and Packers Facebook page. You find it. Send it everywhere. If it gets the most engagements, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. You win a free seventy dollar Iron Jock hoodie. And um it's gonna be a lot easier to win because there's like seventy billion comments on the Iron Jock player of the game, and basically nobody's trying the other way. We have three well now four total people have submitted something, and I think the guy that's about to win this thing has like twenty. Twenty total likes, and he's gonna win a free seventy dollar hoodie because nobody wants to even try. It's amazing to me. But oh well, that's the way it goes, I guess. That one's too hard, I guess. All right. We'll scrap that next time around. What else? Anything else? Get in the group, like the page. If you want to support the Packernet podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Let me throw this out there as well. I'm kind of just exploring, and I've done this in the past, reaching out to people that maybe want to help with the show as, you know, writers or you go find stuff for me or whatever. I wanted to take things in a slightly different direction. Not changing the podcast at all, but adding to what it is I do here. Expanding, if you will. It's a lot of people starting up podcasts, YouTube channels, Packers Networks, websites. And good for them. But uh, I'm positive that I not only have the ability, but the resources to do it quite a bit better. It's one of the luxuries of having the support from you guys, as well as the ad revenue and whatnot is that if I wanted to, I could actually pay people to do things, and I may want to take things in that direction. So I'll just throw it out there. If anybody's interesting, interested in um, creating some Packers content, I'm planning on sooner than later. I don't want to rush it because I want to figure out exactly the direction and do it correctly. You should probably hit me up. Now, what exactly the compensation is depends entirely on if you have any experience, any talent, any availability whatsoever. There's some people out there with giant followings and a lot of talent that just are currently not getting paid to do what they love. There's something in it for you. For everybody else, I don't know. But the potential to grow is there and start earning, et cetera, et cetera. But just, just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, I want to go in more the premium direction. I have a lot of stats and information that is not available to the public that I think people would really like to see, possibly as a reward to my patrons, possibly as a weekly newsletter kind of thing, something to that effect, but some more high-level stuff, not just another person writing articles that, you know, about news that I just saw on Twitter 10 minutes ago, and I don't really need to read your take on it. Does that kind of make sense? So again, if you have, the biggest thing is availability right up there with drive i'm not going to drag you i'm not going to beg you i'm going to just say this is what we need and you can either do it or you can't and if you can and you can do it really really well then you can make money doing packer stuff that's it's that simple sound good all right then hit me up likewise if you know anybody hit me up otherwise let's uh take a break we'll be right back as always folks allow me to remind you that you don't have to wait for a giveaway to enjoy these amazing pieces of iron Jaw clothing I would actually encourage you right now to head over to Iron i r o n j o c I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. Remember, they've got not only just their hoodies, which are amazing, by the way, and maybe you want to hold off on the hoodie just on the off chance you win, but they got polos, they got vests, they got workout shirts, they got short socks, underwear, running jackets, pants, sweatshirts, and I'm not giving those away. If you want that, you got to go to IronJock.com. It's the only place where you're going to find their proprietary EnduraTech fabric, which not only has the Silver Ion technology that kills 99.9% of all bacteria and fungus caused by sweating, but is wicking and fast-drying, breathable, anti-static, and odor-eliminating. And again, in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets, they've got Endurotech Plus, which also makes the fabric water-repellent. As I've said before, there's a lot of labels out there that cost you a lot of money, mostly because of the label. And you throw it on your body, and it's like, eh, it's a shirt. But I guess it's a status thing. You get the little logo, people are like, ooh, that guy's got money although you're broke now because you bought this stupid shirt that doesn't do anything other than cost money. That's not the case with Iron Jock. You're paying more to get better quality, period. So make sure you check them out at ironjoc.com. For a closer look at their unique collection, go to Iron Jock on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, at Ironjock. And as always, Sunday fun day, do not forget to check out mybookie.ag. This is the last day this ad for My Bookie is running, so 100% it's done, it's over with. You better get it in today. If you've been contemplating, hemming and hawing, whatever it is you're doing, make absolutely sure that today's the day. If you're going to put down a little bit of cash, use promo code Overtime. They're going to double your first deposit. And when you create that account, you want to take a screen capture, send it to overtime at for the opportunity to win $500. Not only can you bet on the spread, the total, the money line, whatever, They've got prop bets so you can bet per quarter, per half, all kinds of crazy stuff. Also, live in-game betting. Maybe you don't want to do it during the Packer game because it's like, dude, I'm I'm locked in. I don't have time for this nonsense. Fine. Do it during the Bears game or the Cardinals-Panthers game or whatever game you're watching. Who cares? By the way, the Packers line still sitting at 7.5. It's always nice to see that not moving, at least when you're the favorite, because essentially the people in vegas and again the reason i trust them for the most part is they've got billions of dollars on the line the best of the best of the best in the world are setting these lines and if they're looking at it they're like "Nah, packers are still going to smash them granted they've been wrong about the packers already this year i'm feeling pretty good about it so again my passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only? Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All righty. So we're going to start off with Saints-Lions because that's just kind of what popped up first. Um, I'm still getting live COVID updates on Twitter and whatnot at this particular point in time. Turns out the uh, one positive COVID test for the Saints that I'm aware of anyways they retested him, found it out Found out it was a false positive, which I'm also getting very tired of because it's going to create a lot of problems when you have guys testing positive like the day before a game and that threatens to shut down the entire game. And then, you know, right before the game, it's like, oh, just kidding. He's, he's fine. I'm like, No, dude, that's not funny. Don't do that, please. I mean, I, you know, it's nobody's fault. I'm just saying that's really, really annoying. But Saints are good to go. Detroit Lions obviously are good to go interesting little thing here this should be about as plain and simple as it as it gets right the saints are one of the most dominant nfc teams the lions are a joke ha, ha 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 i'm gonna be honest though man i don't know about all that right now pro football focus has the lions ranked 20th the saints are ranked 21st and they're both one and two well the saints have faced tougher teams than the lions yeah i guess lions have also been very hurt Remember when they didn't get Kenny Galladay back, and then they did, and then they beat the Cardinals, and everybody thought the Cardinals would smoke the Detroit Lions, but then they got Galladay back, and they ended up beating the Cardinals. Remember how they would have absolutely destroyed the Bears if they had had Kenny Galladay? Packers probably still would have whooped on them pretty good, but I mean, they lost to the Bears by four, and they beat the Cardinals, who everybody, I mean, granted, the Cardinals are overrated. I've been telling you that since forever, and this is in New Orleans, which makes it somewhat tough, but I just, I don't know, man. Then you look at the fact that Marshawn Lattimore is out, Janoris Jenkins is out, Andrews Pete, their guard, who's not very good, but, you know, he's out. Michael Thomas, their wide receiver, again, is out. Jared Cook is out. So you got a quarterback that's really struggling. He lost his number one wide receiver. He lost his number two wide receiver in, or his two receiver in Jared Cook. They don't have any cornerbacks right now. This is a team that likes to sell out against the run. They're going to stop the run at all costs. Guess what? The Lions don't care. I just, they don't care, dude. And who are the Lions missing? Nobody. I mean, there's some questionable guys here. Trufant is questionable. Deshaun Hand is questionable. It's just, I don't, I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. I think the Lions win this game. What, what are they going to do to stop the, uh... Who in the world is going to stop Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola? Nobody. The Saints have no corners. Their safety so far has played like absolute garbage. They have one decent pass rusher in Cam Jordan, who hasn't done much of anything this year, going up against a pretty decent offensive line. And again, what is he really good at so far this year? It's run defense. Lions don't care. You want them to throw, 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 throw because we're going to stop the run? Okay, cool cool story bro I just it doesn't matter what are they going to do who's going to do anything on this defense this defense is terrible granted part of the reason they're grading out poorly and their statistics are not very good right now is because they went up against teams like the Packers but they also had guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins playing when they played the Packers and got annihilated I know the Lions defense isn't all that impressive but again you've got a quarterback that's looked like garbage who does not have either of his top receivers they got, I mean, they got Kamara. That's about it. So maybe Drew Brees and Kamara and a little bit of uh, Emmanuel Sanders are just going to gonna handle their business. I just, I, I'm i picking the Lions, dude. I'm going to put it way down low. I'm going to set it at like two for now. But I am picking the Lions to win this game. Next up, we got the LA Chargers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As far as uh, implications for the Packers, really it's just the fact that the Bucks are NFC, um, they're an NFC team and they get a lot more credit than the Packers do, so it'd be nice to see them get smashed. Unfortunately, Tom Brady's actually playing quite well. He's currently graded as the sixth-highest-graded quarterback, so I'm not sure exactly where the Brady-looks-like-garbage stuff is coming from. However, his wide receivers are not grading out very well. Um, He's not going to have Godwin, and Evans so far is ranked 95th out of 120 wide receivers. So I don't know if it's the fact that they're changing up the system to be more Brady-esque or what the deal is, but Evans is just not doing jack squat. In fact, last year, the team that had basically the, the most elite wide receiver group in all of football is currently ranked 27th out of 32 for their receivers. Packers, by the way, are 23rd. Just throwing that out there. As far as the injuries go, um, I mentioned Chris Godwin is out. Leonard Fournette also out with an ankle injury. For the Chargers, Mr. Brian Balaga is out with a back injury. Mike Williams, their second wide receiver, is out with a hamstring Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback, still out with his chest issue after being stabbed in the lung. And then Turner, their not very good guard, is going to be out with a groin injury. So look, the bottom line is the uh, the Chargers are more banged up. They've got, obviously, one of the most experienced, talented quarterbacks on one side, one of the most inexperienced, talented, but inexperienced quarterbacks on the other side. Uh, Mr. Herbert has arguably the worst offensive line in football. Brian Balaga was the one saving grace there. He, again, is out. They still have uh, Keenan Allen as well as Hunter Henry at tight end, so there's some options there. Obviously, Austin Eckler, who is right up there with um, um, Aaron Jones, very similar style of running back, great runner, great receiver. He's currently ranked as the third highest-graded running back in football. So they've got some weapons, um, and I do think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is massively overrated. They do have some very good pieces, but it's, it's... I don't know, I'm seeing stuff like, is this the best Bucs defense since... What 2001 when they had that dominant defense? I don't, I don't know what the what the thing was. I have a feeling it said of all time and whoever, if if it said that, that person needs to be smacked in the face, because give me a, I mean, do you remember? Maybe he do, He probably doesn't. He's like 18 years old. He doesn't remember what it was like. Can you imagine that, like being a Bucks fan and it's like I don't know. I never saw Warren Sapp or Simeon Rice, Rondé Barber. I just, I don't know what that. I don't know what you're talking about. This is the best defense of all time. <laughs> This is the best Bucks defense we've had in 2020. You know, forget Warren Sapp, we got Vita Vea and a 900-year-old Domican Sue that hasn't been good in five years. Bunch of mediocre cornerbacks, mediocre safeties. Levante David is the one guy that's like really good, and he's one of those guys that's way overrated because he is elite in coverage and he's pure putrid garbage against the run. But again, it's 2020. Nobody cares if a linebacker can tackle a running back. If you can stop tight ends and, and split out and play in coverage and you're dominant, then you're just one of the best ever. Nobody cares if you can tackle a running back. For whatever reason, I have no idea. But what about Devin White? Yeah, he's he's bad. Remember that whole thing about first-round running or linebackers? Fifth overall pick. He was graded 68th out of 90 last year. He's 43rd out of 74 this year. So maybe a little bit of a jump. Second-best pass-rushing linebacker, though. So, you know... Look out, hide your kids, that whole thing. No, I I, look, I I love to sit here and rag on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it's just, although it's it's there. You know, if Herbert can put on the game of his life behind this terrible offensive line, get the ball out quickly to Eckler, Henry, and Allen, maybe. On the flip side, obviously, you got Bosa, so you got a little bit of a shot, especially with your running back out, because it is a decent offensive line. And again, the wide receivers aren't doing much. You got rid of Brashad Perriman. That was one of the elite trio Chris Godwin is out so you got one good wide receiver that has yet to be good this year no Leonard Fournette so it's just it's just not it's Tampa Bay's not a good team and I wish they weren't playing the Chargers so I could bet against them I just I don't think I can I'm not going to put a lot on it because the Chargers could find a way to win but unfortunately they've got um, this baby schedule where they play the Carolina Panthers and smoked them played the Denver Broncos and smoked them now they got the Chargers are probably going to smoke the Chargers I'm not allowed to root against them for the Bears we'll see what happens then they got the Packers, so we're going to smash the Ever-11 Daylights out of this team. And they got the Raiders and the Giants and the Saints again and the Panthers. There's no way they're not in the playoffs. Every one of these teams is trash. They do have the Chiefs and the Rams, which might be tough. My goodness, this is so bad. Vikings, Falcons, Lions, Falcons. There's four wins. Whatever. See you in the playoffs, morons. Tampa Bay wins this game. Go Chargers. Seattle, Miami. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know... I'd like to be able to give some kind of good insights and stuff, but Seattle is red hot. Their defense is, is hot garbage, and against a better team, cool, but dude, Seattle's going to absolutely destroy Miami. I, I, legitimately, outside of Wagner, I don't know if this team has one good football player on the defense. One. Corners, garbage. Defensive line, garbage. Pass rushers, garbage. Safeties, garbage. Wait a minute, what about Jamal Adams? He's not garbage. No, he's out. He's not playing. So, yes, garbage. I mean, this is just, you know, and the thing is, it's not like the Packers where you look at it and go, yeah, there's garbage everywhere, but there's a lot of really good football players that are about to get bad. Who Who's better than they're playing right now? Maybe Shaq Griffin, but he had like one good year last year. He's been garbage for the last two years before that. He's kind of just playing the way he always has, outside of his one decent year last year. Trey Flowers? No, he's just bad at football. Demarius Randall, They got him playing safety now. Cool best of luck to you. Legitimately one of the better players on their defense right now if he plays like he did in Cleveland, which is sad. Maybe Quandre Diggs. He was better with the Lions, which is staggering. People go to Seattle and are worse. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami has a heck of a day today. If you got any players for Miami's team for whatever reason, maybe Fitzpatrick or something, play him because this defense is the worst. I might go f- pick up Fitzpatrick in some of my leagues and just play him because just horrible. Thing is though, The other side is pretty crazy. First of all, first time I've ever seen Russell Wilson behind what appears to be a good offensive line. Maybe it's a fluke and these guys are about to be garbage. Maybe they've gone up against bad defensive lines. I don't know. That's not going to change against Miami because Miami also has horrific defense. Probably a couple more decent players, but also a lot more really, 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 really really bad players like Baker and Roberts and Ogba and Igbenogany. But they got Wilkins and Lawson and Van Noy and Howard. I didn't mean to bleep that out. But I mean, I I really think this could end up being somewhat of a slugfest unless Miami is just that incompetent. But you got Fitzmagic, and um, I could see him lighting some stuff up. So I, I really think this could be a high-scoring game. You got Russell Wilson, who is the sec- who just having one of the best years any quarterback has ever had, with the exception of 2020 Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely lighting it up. You got Carson at running back, who's solid. Uh, DK Metcalf and Lockett. I mean, they're just going to light this thing up. If this game is like 28 to f- 42 I would not be surprised in fact they scored 31 points they beat the Jaguars 31 to 13 last week I I wouldn't be Miami could be mid-30 35-42 Seattle I hope that's the case because again Seattle is a threat but that defense is a problem and if the Miami Dolphins score high 20s to mid-30s or anything above that just tells you everything you need to know that Seattle is not going anywhere with that defense and of course that's good news for us but still Seattle I think is going to win this game. So next up is the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. And, and again, this should be relatively straightforward. All of these are, are making me nervous, though. And I really feel like there's there's bound to be some upsets. And there, there's going to be a lot of games where it's like, see you moron, why would you even talk about it? The, the, the game in Miami was 51-3, you dummy. But I really think one of these games is going to go just wild. And this could easily be one of them. And again, you look at it and you say, well, Dallas is clearly better than the Cleveland Browns. But the Browns are garbage. Man, I sounded a lot like Porky Pig, and that was not, I mean, part of it was me goofing around, but part of it was not, and it was Porky Piggish. Did he have a disorder? I'm, I'm only asking because I'm nervous now. Did Porky Pig, like, have, I mean, I know a speech impediment, but, like, was there a brain thing with him, or should I get checked? I don't, I, all right, we'll, we'll forge ahead. If there's any neurologists in the house, let me know. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, they're one and two. The question coming into this year was, this is a talented roster that massively underperformed, which usually, for me anyways, points to coaching. They go out and hire a guy that got fired for, you know, underperforming with a talented roster, putting together a garbage schedule. And so far this year, this talented roster has gone one and two. And you say, well, they've faced tough teams. Okay, well, they're 1-2, and two, and they barely beat the Falcons because of this massive comeback in which they basically got annihilated and the Falcons fell apart. Had they not fallen apart or simply fallen on a ball that's right in front of their face, the Dallas Cowboys would be and should be 0-3 this year, having fallen not just to the Rams, who are pretty good, the Seahawks, who are talented, but also to the Falcons. And now they're going up against the Cleveland Browns, who, granted, are not very good, but they're not the most inept team in the history of the universe. You actually have to, you know, show up a little bit to beat the Cleveland Browns. You do. You maybe don't need your 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 best foot forward, but if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you've been kinda garbage all year, maybe you might want to just go ahead and grab your, your best foot, whichever one it is, and go ahead and slide that to the front. Because the Cleveland Browns are two and one. Not only are they 2-1, they've scored 35 and 34 points the last two weeks. Yes, against the Bengals and the Washington football team, but I thought the Washington football team was a really good defense, remember? What happened to that? They put up 34 points, 34 to 20, so that was a blowout. In fact, the only game they've lost this year was against the Baltimore Ravens, arguably one of the best teams in football. So if we're going to play that game, fine, it goes both ways. They beat one bad team by 5, they beat another team by 14. I'm just saying, are we so sure? In this Pick'Em League, 83% are picking Dallas. I'm, I'm not so sure, man. I could see this being a Cleveland Browns win, and immediately it turns into what in the world is going on in Dallas, which really is a question that should have been um, continued. I don't know why we would have ever paused that conversation. It should be carried over from last year and continuing to this day with all eyes on Cleveland saying, you better not just beat Cleveland, but smoke Cleveland. Because if you lose this game, or if it's even close, those questions are just amplified. The fact that Dallas, who obviously is stacked with offensive talent, is only three and a half point favorites, kind of alludes to the fact that it's not its not a slam dunk. Um, if we look at injuries here, guys that are out, if anything could work on my computer, that'd be great. Um, Adrian Claiborne is out for the whatever. Cleveland Browns, Davis, the linebacker, is out. And Joku, if you didn't know, is on IR with a torn MCL. Um, Betonio, Kareem Hunt, and Ward, the cornerback, are questionable. On the flip side for Dallas, outside of the guys that are on IR, like Chidobe Awuzie, who's very good, Leighton Vander Esch, who I honestly didn't even know that, as well as Blake Jarwin. I, man. So here's the deal. First of all, I've been harping on Dallas basically pleading with them. And I don't even like Dallas. I'm glad they're falling apart. I've been begging them to please draft offensive linemen. Please. The entire reason your team was any good ever is because you had the most dominant offensive line in football. When you had Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, and they came out, and it was like the greatest thing ever, and everyone's like, oh, Dak Prescott's elite, and Ezekiel Elliott's elite. A lot of it had to do with the offensive line. Granted, Dak Prescott's having a great start to his year. Unfortunately, Um, Amari Cooper, who is very good, but I don't think is ever deservedly been in like the top five or maybe even top 10 conversation is right now 25th via PFF. Gallup is 70th. CeeDee Lamb is 66th. Ezekiel Elliott right now is 25th out of 56 running backs. This offensive line is horrific. So I'm looking at an offense that's Prescott and a whole bunch of eh, I don't know. And it's not because they're bad. We know Cooper and Gallup and probably Lamb are very good. We know Ezekiel Elliott's good. They're not playing like it. And right now this offensive line is just a mess. And say what you want, if Denzel Ward plays, he's talented. That's the Cleveland Browns corner. Terrence Mitchell, the other corner, is having a decent start to the year thus far, their number two corner. Miles Garrett is one of the most terrifying pass rushers in football going up against this terribly banged up offensive line. Jordan Elliott, the uh, third round rookie out of Missouri, having a heck of a start to the season. He's, He's 16th out of 122 defensive linemen right now. Jordan Elliott's killing it. They've also got Sheldon Richardson, who has you know, been a long-time, relatively talented guy. Not elite by any stretch, but he's solid. Former 13th overall pick. So, I mean, it's not a good defense, but they've got those elite pieces. And it's one of those things where you're not going to be able to drive down and score on every drive because eventually Miles Garrett's going to get in there and wreck your world. They're going to have those couple of, of situations. So it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's, it's almost like Packers-Falcons where the... Dallas Cowboys for the most part are going to drive down and score and conversely you've got Baker Mayfield who isn't great but he has his moments you got Odell and you got Landry who again struggling but you know they got talent you got Hooper who's a talented tight end you got Chubb who's a talented running back and you have an elite offensive line that nobody really talks about but it's a very good offensive line they drafted Jedrick Wills also so now they've got the left tackle they got Petonio who again is hurt but if he plays one of the best guards in football you got Wyatt Teller who's both of these are top five guards, and you got Treader who's the third best center in football, on top of Hubbard, who's a right tackle and is very talented. And who exactly is, is doing the pass rushing for Dallas? Well, they got Lawrence. Yeah, they do. He does have six pressures and zero sacks on the season so far, just under 10% pressure percentage, so he's not doing very well. And he doesn't have a single sack so far. And this maybe is the toughest challenge he's gone up against all year. All that to say, I think Dallas and their defense is terrible. Again, every defense is terrible, but this is this is uniquely horrible. The one good player they have, Lawrence, hasn't done anything all year. They've got corners that are terrible. Chadobia Wuzier, again, not terrible, but he's he's gone, he's out, he's done. You got Layton Vanderush. I don't know if he's any good or not, but he's injured. He's had a lot of injury issues, he's continuing to be injured, he's just it's not working out too well. The only guy on this entire defense that's grading out somewhat well is a guy that's consistently pretty solid, and that's safety Xavier Woods. That's it. That's the only one, and he's he's like Adrian Amos good, not like elite or anything just solid good you know whatever I'm just I, I don't know Cleveland doesn't win man I might just be a contrarian and just say Cleveland wins because I you add in I'm, I'm looking at two offenses that should be able to score and I, th- I think Dallas's offense is better than Cleveland's offense but there's no reason they can't be better add in the offensive line issues which is how has Dallas stopped this team when you can't generate any pressure on Baker who's able to sit behind the pocket and distribute to Odell Beckham Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry by the way again they did go out and get a new Uh, offensive coordinator, or head coach, I guess, Stefanski, who's very adept at similar types of offense to what Matt LaFleur is running, which should simplify things for Mayfield and scheme guys open, which is fantastic when the guys are scheming open are top-tier wide receivers and your quarterback is all day to sit behind in the pocket because nobody's generating any pressure. On top of that, you have a Dallas Cowboys defense that is pathetic, that is coached by a guy that doesn't care about his defense. Ezekiel Elliott is having the worst year of his career. Big shocker, Mike McCarthy's the head coach. And his stagnant offensive style is causing these wide receivers to not be any good. But the quarterback's great. One of, you know, Prescott's best years ever in terms of his grade. It just seems like a Mike McCarthy team. Unfortunately, it seems like a 2019, excuse me, 2018 Mike McCarthy team. And that's not good. So Dallas should win. I'm just, I'm I'm picking Cleveland, man. I just think this is, this is, this week is just primed for lots and lots of upsets. And Dallas is just... I mean, they just seem like choke artists. I know it was a big comeback against the Falcons because they played a, the only bigger choke artists in football right now. So I'll set that one also extremely low, but I'm, I'm just taking Cleveland. Baltimore and Washington, again, same, similar to Seattle. Um, I mean, this episode's taken forever anyways, but there's, there's nothing redeemable. Haskins is the worst quarterback ever. There's nothing redeemable about Dwayne Haskins, they need a new quarterback, and I think they're going to get one. It seems like there's a bunch of talented quarterbacks in this draft, not just the two guys we already know about, but uh, I don't know if you all saw my boy, Matt Coral. Man, I've I've been pumping this guy up since forever. It started... Let me just talk about Matt Coral for a second here, because if you've seen my random tweets about Matt Coral, it might be kind of confusing, like, why does this guy keep talking about Matt Coral? It doesn't make any sense. When I first started my mock drafts, I didn't know who any of these guys were, and somebody... When I was creating my big boards, had Matt Corral toward the top, and it was just this really weird, random thing, but nobody knows what they're talking about, whatever. So I I just said, this is my thing. And I did a mock draft, and Matt Corral went really early. And part of the reason was I watched these quarterbacks, and I saw Matt Corral, and I said, I think this is the best quarterback in college football. I would maybe take him over Trevor Lawrence. Well, surprise, surprise, I got mocked and ridiculed relentlessly on my mock draft in YouTube. Because they're like, who the heck is Matt Coral? The guy's not even a guaranteed starter. Like, he's not even going to win the job at Ole Miss. And I was stunned because I went back and watched. I think I even did a video on Matt Coral, And I'm like, dude, look at this guy. He's a freak. So I kept pumping him up. And I was like, fine. All right, I'm an idiot. Whatever. Matt Coral has not been on my big board since. But I keep pumping him up on Twitter. I'm telling you this is the guy. Well, he got his first chance. He not only won the job, he goes out against Kentucky. They beat Kentucky 42-41. to Matt Corral completed 24 of 29, 82.8% completion percentage. He had nearly as many touchdowns as he had in completions, as he threw for 320 yards, 11 yards per attempt, and 4 touchdowns. 152.2 passer rating. 90 overall grade, because not only can he throw, but he can run. And by the way, I'm, I'm going to go find that, that video I made, if I made one, because his ability to throw on the run is ridiculous. I'm telling you, man, this is my guy. And if we, if if Matt Coral falls and and we just get a bug and draft Matt Coral in the second round, everybody's gonna riot, and I'm gonna celebrate for like a week straight. I, I just, that's what, one of the things I love about the draft is just locking into a guy and saying that's my guy. Matt Coral is my guy. Nobody, nobody is allowed to claim Matt Coral. If you see anybody on Twitter saying, oh, I'm the king of the Matt Coral fan club. Kick him off of Twitter. I want his name and his address. Nobody claims Matt Coral but me. Moving on. Anyways, um, they need uh, they need a new quarterback, and they would be they would do well to draft Matt Coral with the third overall pick or whatever it is Washington's going to get. But Baltimore wins this game. I'm not going to waste any more time talking about it. Next up, you got the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is shockingly somewhat of an interesting game when you have two terrible football teams trying to establish themselves as the least terrible, or I guess the other way to look at it, as the, you know, tanking teams, I guess. I mean, if you're, if you're Cincinnati, you probably don't want to because you don't want a quarterback. Not that you wouldn't mind getting Penny Sewell, but anyways, the Jaguars would do well to lose this game. Uh, no offense to their quarterback, who's relatively talented, but, you know, I mean, let's just do this thing right, right? Uh, Cincinnati is currently favored to win, by only, but only by two and a half points. Uh, Jaguars don't really have anyone... Other than their center Linder, who's out for the Bengals, Joe Mixon is questionable, which is pretty uh, interesting. Alexander, their corner, is doubtful. Suafilo, Uzoma, and uh, Mr. Daniels are on IR. None of these guys are all that talented, with the exception of possibly Suafilo at guard. But look, I, th- I think the one thing that needs to be pointed out here is that Jer- Joe Burrow is getting really, really—he's getting a lot better rapidly. So his his week one game, he graded out at a 61.6. His week two game against Cleveland, it was a 68.5. His game against Philly was an 86.5. He's currently graded as the 12th best quarterback in football right now. Now, 12th best isn't all that good, but when you start off and it's like, "Eh, it's not looking so good behind a terrible offensive line with questionable weapons at this point, to be 12th through three weeks with a slow start is impressive. Granted, it was against Philly, but what exactly is Jacksonville going to do better than what Philly did? So if you think Joe Burrow is the real deal and he's not about to regress anytime soon and he's just finally hitting his groove, then I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals. Because I will take a top-tier quarterback with a guy like Boyd and a guy like Higgins and a guy like Green, who, by the way, I think Higgins had like two touchdowns. Green and Higgins aren't grading out all that well. But regardless, you know Green is talented, you know Higgins is talented, and Boyd is just off to a rip-roaring start. And the Jaguars, despite having a little bit of talent, again, give me a a top-tier quarterback and some solid wide receiver weapon, and I, you know... That's going to be my pick. Now, if you don't necessarily buy that, I think the Jaguars are probably the better pick. They have a really talented offensive line. Not the best in football, but clearly better than the Bengals. The Bengals have no ability to rush the passer right now. You got O'Shaughnessy and Eifert at tight end, who, you know, Eifert is at least used to be talented. O'Shaughnessy's doing a really good job. Laviska Chenault kind of broke out last week. You've got Robinson, which was kind of like a big joke for a team that's trying to tank. They don't even, it's like, all right, we don't have any running backs. Let's get rid of everybody we have, including Leonard Fournette. Let's just run with this undrafted free agent. We'll never win a game. It'll be great. He's the fifth highest graded running back in football right now, probably largely because of the talent of this offensive line. So you got Minshew, who's got some talent, decent weapons with, again, guys like Chenault and Robinson and O'Shaughnessy. Bottom line is the, the, the better, more talented roster is the Jaguars. It's really just a matter of whether or not you're buying into Joe Burrow or not. And the fact of the matter is, Cincinnati, they lost to the Chargers, who are a terrible team. They lost to the Browns, who, you know, whatever. They tied the Eagles, who are just the worst ever. The Jaguars at least have a win. Granted, they just got blown out by the Miami Dolphins, which is hilarious. But again, Fitzmagic, man, he's going to do that at least once or twice a year. He's going to have that game where he comes out and just lights everybody's world on fire. So I don't know, man, this is a coin toss for me. And again, I think the Jaguars have the better roster, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and bet on Burrow. I'm going to say he does enough to pull this thing out. It's probably the wrong pick. I think the Jaguars are a more steady team, but I don't care. Whatever. It's for fun. Arizona-Carolina, again, everyone's going to say Arizona's going to destroy Carolina because they're terrible, and that's probably true. But again, Arizona is not that good, and everybody's been lying to you. There's a reason Arizona's only favored by three points against one of the worst teams in football. Everybody kind of knows. People that know, know. The media loves the Cardinals because, you know, they have a quarterback that can run really fast and everyone's really excited about it. And their, you know, head coach likes to spread the ball around and it's this cool elite college offense despite the fact that their coach is kind of a joke. They beat San Francisco. That's cool. It's impressive. But first of all, they won by scoring 24 points. San Francisco only scored 20. Then they beat Washington because Washington's garbage and then Detroit came out and rocked their world. Biggest issue with the Arizona Cardinals is their defense is terrible. It's also worth noting, Buda Baker is out. Buda Baker's a pretty talented safety. He's not playing. Neither is Chris Banjo, who I didn't realize was still in the NFL. Kudos to him. Greatest player in the history of the world. He's only 30 years old. I swear he he played for us 50 years ago. What a beast. I wonder if he's still just rocking people's worlds. Um, The Panthers, the the biggest issue, obviously, is that Christian McCaffrey is on IR. So this is another situation where I'd love to say the Panthers are going to win because the Cardinals are overrated, but the fact of the matter is the Panthers' defense is a joke. The Panthers' offense has no weapons left. Arizona Cardinals, as much as I don't believe in their quarterback all that much as a thrower, he's going to run wild all over this Panthers' defense. I think Arizona wins this game. Bottom line. Minnesota Vikings and the Houston Texans is somewhat interesting. I know Vikings fans have pretty much uh, called it quits on the season, and that's probably fair. Uh, Daniel Hunter, it sounds like he's going to be out for quite a while. It's pretty weird stuff, too. I, I saw something to the effect of Daniel It was not a good diagnosis, and the Vikings said something to the effect of they wanted to get a second opinion, and Daniil put out some kind of a cryptic kind of twist. It was hard to tell if he was kind of looking at it like he was not happy with what he was hearing about the Vikings or what exactly was going on. Either way, it's just not It's not looking good, and and I, I really want to give kudos to the Vikings offense because through all this through all the madness Kirk Cousins is playing decently well Cook is still a good running back Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are both right now top five wide receivers Uh, Rudolph is still putting together decent whatever he's not completely falling apart yet like I thought he would and their tackles are not the worst ever although their guards and center are terrible so I want to at least give him that much credit and and at least acknowledge that if a team like the Texans decides to just completely fall apart, especially defensively, the the Minnesota Vikings have the ability to flip a switch and put up a ton of points. They did it against the Packers. They also put up 30 points against the Tennessee Titans and only lost by one. So it's not impossible that the Vikings just throw up 35 points and the Texans can't score any points and, you know, they the Vikings end up winning. And it is worth noting the Texans' defense is not very good. You do have Watt that's going to wreak havoc on this Vikings offensive line. And they got a couple somewhat decent safeties. But this defense is pretty horrible. And I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Rudolph and Cook and Cousins are going to shred this defense. I really do. The real issue comes in, how in the world do you stop Watson and Cooks and Cobb and Fuller and Johnson when your defense also is horrible? Outside, obviously, of elite Yannick Ngakwe best young pass rusher ever i feel like the vikings defense went through what the seattle legion of boom defense went through but rather than dragging it out over five six years they did it basically in like a year like they just it just like in one year they're like let's get rid of everybody and ready go and we lost all our corners we lost our defensive linemen we lost both of our pass rushers bar is out with an injury although he wasn't that good to begin with kendricks who uh Thought maybe he was going to hang in there as the best uh, linebacker in football has already dropped to 19th. He hasn't even graded positively in the last two weeks. Um, his best game so far was a 69.9 overall against the Packers. So Kendricks is regressing back to the same overrated linebacker he's kind of always been. On top of that, their elite safety duo, um, Anthony Harris, who is one of the two people that just got massively paid, is not doing all that well. So right now it is Harrison Smith. Basically, the only really good football player on this entire defense, and I think with no real pass rush outside of Ngakwe having to go up against Laramie Tunsil, which they better move him to the other side because he's not going to beat Laramie Tunsil even once. I don't know how any of these guys stop anything over here. I don't know how either team stops either team, so it's, it's a little bit of a toss-up. I'm going to take the Texans because I feel like the Vikings are imploding in a, in a pretty special kind of way, but I really see this as kind of a toss-up, so I'm not going to put a lot on it, and I'm not going to be surprised that the Vikings pull out the victory here. But I'll just put it into the confidence where I think the Houston Texans are starting to, to build up a little bit of confidence, feeling like they're getting their groove back. I mean, they're they're it's two O and three teams, but one team, the Minnesota Vikings, has gone up against you know some good, some not, some so good teams, and the Houston Texans went up against I mean Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. That's that's rough. So again, Texans, but not a huge amount of confidence in that. Then we got another pretty easy one. Again, anything crazy could happen, but we got Rams Giants. Um, the Giants are without Saquon, who is a huge part of their offense. The um, Rams offense is just out of control. I think they're graded as the number one offense right now. Elite offensive line. Cooper Cup is the second best wide receiver in football. Woods is solid. Higby is solid. Jared Goff is graded as the fourth best quarterback. Their running back, Henderson, who was a third round pick last year, probably not going to maintain this. But through basically two weeks, he is the number one running back in football right now. Uh, I think a lot of this has to do with the McVay offense is just humming again. And I mentioned how that might happen. Big part of the problem last year, terrible offensive line. It's hard to run a McVay offense with a bad offensive line. This is a dominant offensive line. And everything is working like clockwork right now. And this Giants defense is never going to be able to stop that. And so, um, I mean, the, the Rams are just going to shred, period. At it's the end of the sentence. They're just going to shred. New England at Kansas City is is obviously weird with Cam being out um and this being pushed back but I think that kind of just summarizes it as much as I would have taken glee in just saying the Chiefs are going to beat the Patriots anyway with Cam out I mean it just is what it is. I you've you've known for a long time I've talked about how Kansas City has a lot of holes. It doesn't matter man. Andy Reid is just an absolute freak. I mean really. It's it's Mahomes Edwards, E. Lair, their running back, is massively overrated. Everybody's all excited about him because, oh, man, look at him. He looked really fast on that one run, and ooh, that was a big run. Okay, he's good. He's fine. He's not that elite. Um, Hill right now, Tyreek, is forty ranked 43rd. Watkins is 34th. Edwards, E. Lair is 16th. It's basically Mahomes and Kelsey are the dominant people here. The offensive line is decent, but not that good. I think the Chiefs' defense is a joke. I've said that a thousand times. They've got Jones, who is dominant, but their linebackers are garbage. Their pass rushers are garbage. I've talked about Frank Clark, I don't know how many times. He's massively overrated. He's ranked 103rd out of 105 edge rushers right now. Literally, bottom three. But they keep winning. Sorensen is a terrible safety. Tyron Matthew is is not doing all that well. He's graded as average. Ward and Fenton are average. Pass rushers are horrible. Their linebackers are safe. But it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Patriots have elite offensive line. It doesn't matter. It's got a good running back. It doesn't matter. They've got a solid, you know, defense with uh, Wise and Winovich, McCourty. J.C. Jackson is just off and humming. Gilmore. It doesn't matter. The Chiefs just win, man. I'm tired of it. I'm frustrated by it. I thought the Baltimore Ravens would absolutely destroy him. I thought they would expose them. They didn't. Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are just going to carry this thing into... I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like what you see in Seattle, but with a better coach and a better quarterback. Seattle's roster has fallen completely apart and they're still a dominant team. The Chiefs are the exact same way, except they maybe have better weapons. And again, a better coach and a better quarterback. And it's just, I mean, Mahomes isn't grading as, as well as Russell, but still, I mean, there's no question the guy's arm talent is just stupid. So I'm just, I'm done doubting the Chiefs. I've given up, not doing it anymore. They're going to win forever. And I'm that's the new Patriots team that I hate. It, it is nice. It'll be a nice little passing of the torch game where the Patriots, who were so dominant for so long, get absolutely shredded by the new Patriots who we're going to have to hate for the next 20 years. And I just am not happy about it. But Chiefs win this game. Whenever it is they decide to play it. And it actually looks like they just took that off my CBS pick list. So <laughs> I don't even get to pick it. So that's cool. Buffalo and the Raiders. This is a pretty interesting game because... They're coming at it from different sides. Uh, they're, they're similar teams coming from different ends from my perspective. I look at Buffalo and say, I don't know if they've really got it. I've been doubting them, and they keep proving me wrong. The Raiders are the exact opposite. Everybody's been doubting them except me, and I've been saying, watch out for the Raiders, and I've been proven right by the for the Raiders. Raiders are now sitting at 2-1. and one. They did lose to the Patriots, which was kind of brutal, um, but the Saints' win was impressive, and obviously they beat the Panthers. I just think, though, that Buffalo's kind of on a different level. I think Buffalo is, is in my mind, kind of crossing into this might be uh, legitimate Super Bowl-run territory, and the reason I'm saying that, and we got to see what happens with their defense, last year, and I, I do this every year when we get into the postseason, I kind of break down some of the stats, and I kind of look at it and say, okay, historically, what are the odds of you making it? And I, I actually come out with odds, percentages, that you're going to be the Super Bowl winners. And Buffalo was extremely low because their offense was so horrible. They were like 25th or something, and it's just, I think, maybe once in NFL history as an offense that bad ended up going on to win the Super Bowl. The defense, though, was obviously dominant. So the point is, if the offense can kind of catch up, we've got a pretty serious contender here. Right now, the Buffalo Bills are ranked third in points and fourth in yards it is a top five offense the problem is their defense is 16th in points 21st in yards so if their defense completely implodes that just kind of resets this whole thing and they're kind of back to where they were but we know that it's this basically the exact same defense they should be able to to get it back in line everybody's kind of floundering right now we'll see the point is though this offense is really really humming and uh, as much as i respect gruden and what he does he doesn't have a very good team um he is beyond impressive to me in what he's done with the guys that he has. Comes out and plays big boy, hard nose football. He lines up, and they play smash-mouth. The problem is the Buffalo Bills kind of like to play that way. Right, you want to you line up and play smash-mouth football, that's, that's AFC East football. right? Jets, Bills, Patriots, like, go ahead. Miami, I don't know what they do. And then you've got the Raiders, who have terrible safeties and corners, having to go up against Josh Allen that's just slinging it all over the place. So I am going to take the Bills. I'm not going to be overly confident in it, but I, I think I think the Raiders really overly impressed everybody by beating the Saints, who are maybe a little bit more beat down than we expected. And therefore, the one game they went up against a really good team, they got annihilated by the Patriots. So I'm going to go the safe route, say the Bills, who I think are legitimate playoff contenders. Basically a lock at this point. Considering the competition level, you got the Jets twice, you got uh, Miami twice. And then the Raiders, again, I think they overperform and they're going to do some really impressive stuff. And I like the odds of of what they'll be able to do if they can keep adding talent to the roster, but they're still not there yet. So give me the playoff contenders against the not-quite-there-yet overachievers. Indy at Chicago is interesting. I keep doubting uh, Chicago and Chicago keeps winning, which makes me, um, you know, it's not great. I, I just, I don't know what to do here because I don't know what to think about the Colts either. I was real high on the Colts. And then, you know, they get beat by the Jaguars, and it's like, well, that's not great. And it's like, yeah, but they won their last two, but it's against the Vikings and the Jets, so who cares? Granted, the defense is really impressive because they kept the Vikings, who I just was pumping up their offense to 11 points. The Jets, who admittedly are terrible, kept them to 7 points. They won 36-7. to seven. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's just brutalizing people. I, I think that the Colts might be kind of off and running right now. Week 1 was iffy, but... Again, it's one thing to beat bad teams. It's another thing to embarrass them, and that's what they've done two weeks in a row. Uh, The Colts do have some impactful injuries here. They've got uh, Paris Campbell on IR. Marlon Mack is on IR. Michael Pittman is on IR. Malik Hooker is on IR. That's a solid safety. That's two wide receivers, including uh, Paris, who is a really solid slot receiver, as well as Michael Pittman, who's the guy they just drafted. Marlon Mack, very talented running back. And then um, Kerry, their cornerback, is also out. On the flip side, Khalil Mack is questionable, which is obviously very important. Tariq Cohen is uh, currently on IR. Sherrick McManus is doubtful. And defensive lineman Jonathan Jenkins is also out. So anyways, just first of all, Foles is the big question. And I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, shoot, that stinks, because Foles is obviously the better quarterback. The issue with Foles, though, is he doesn't have the upside. Mitch Trubisky was the highs and the lows. Nick Foles is the guy in the middle. Mitch Trubisky makes some of the worst throws, the, he's, he's going to lose the game for you, but also he's going to make those you know fourth quarter heroics like you saw against the Detroit Lions where they came back and won. Nick Foles is steady, Eddie, just dump it off, you know, we'll just keep this thing moving slowly down the field. Right now, hilariously, Xavier Rhodes is the number one cornerback in football going up against Robinson. They've got Moore and Rakusin at corner who are decent enough going up against Miller and Mooney who are grading out pretty much the same as the corners are you got DeForest Buckner, as well as Houston, and I would argue one of the best linebackers, actually best linebackers in football, Darius Leonard, who has been consistent for three years and also is about as good of a run defender as he is in coverage. He's not as elite as some of these cover guys, but I don't care. Give me a guy that's this good, Darius Leonard good. And again, all this with the backdrop of what they've done on defense the last two weeks, which is just embarrassed teams, including the Vikings, who have a, I would say, a better, much more lethal offense than the Bears do. The Bears did put up 30 points last week, but that's against the Falcons. They put up 17 against the Giants, which is a joke, and 27 against the Lions. I mean, this this might be the three worst defenses in football. I'd have to dig around a little bit, but Lions, Giants, and Falcons? And now you're going up against the Colts, who have just shut down two teams the last two weeks? I think the Bears might get embarrassed offensively, and uh, another word would be exposed. Remember, it wasn't that long ago when, when we were talking about how the... Bears have, right now, grading out some of the best wide receivers in football, and that's slowly been coming down, down, down. Yeah, because you went up against the Lions, who had no corners, and the Giants, who have no corners, and the Falcons, who have no corners. Colts are a different animal. Also, offensively, Lions didn't have an offense in that game. The Giants didn't have an offense in that game. The Falcons have a decent offense. They hung 26 on you. Phillip Rivers is... Maybe the best quarterback you're going up against. I know a lot of people want to doubt him, but again, he's been a solid, consistent quarterback in California since forever. He's already graded as the seventh best quarterback this year. You've got a very good offensive line against going up. Man, this stupid thing doesn't work. Going up against Khalil Mack, if he plays, who's obviously very good, and then just not a lot else. Akeem Hicks, again, he was good that one year. Otherwise, he's just kind of eh. Linebackers are not good. Trevathan is grading out as one of the worst linebackers in football. Roquan is still mediocre at best. That's all he's ever been. Um, I mean, it's, it's not a blowout one way or the other, but I think, again, I'm going to doubt the Bears. I just think that they've played three of the easiest teams you're going to play all year, and now you're going up against the Colts, who are really, really on a roll right now. So I'm not going to put a lot of confidence in it, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm taking the Colts to win this game. Final game before we get to the Packers. We got the uh, Eagles against the 49ers, which should be really, really easy. The Eagles have a talented roster. The 49ers have nobody left on this team. They don't even have a quarterback. Um, Their best player on their entire team, Bosa, is out. The offensive line is not very good. Jarek McKinnon is their running back. Defensively, they've got Eric Armstead. Um, Fred Warner is playing pretty well. It's about it. And they're going up against a very talented offensive line for the Eagles. Carson Wentz, Ertz, Miles Sanders. On defense, the Eagles have a very good defensive line in Graham, Cox, Jackson, and Sweat. They have Darius Slay. Um, and for the second, third, however many weeks in a row, I'm going to say the more talented roster loses. In fact, I think the more talented roster gets absolutely annihilated by the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan is a very good coach. And that's, If, I, if I'm learning anything, it's that having a really good coach is the most important thing you can have in football. And I don't know how I missed that. But the Saints have a terrible roster. They dominate everybody. The Kansas City Chiefs have a pretty bad roster. They dominate everybody. The Packers, you know, at one point, you could argue, garbage roster that had been eroding for years. The 49ers are a good roster with a bunch of holes that dominate everybody, lost all their players, and are still just as dominant as though they never lost anybody. Get you a really, really, really good coach, like McVeigh, for example, and if you can find a good quarterback to put on top of it and a couple good pieces, all the better. But just get a really good coach and you'll be fine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst for finding Matt Lafleur. 49ers win. And then finally, the game we've already talked about, but we might as well do it in similar fashion. Plus, it gives me an opportunity to talk a little bit about the injury report. Um, some not very good news. Uh, again, Lazard and Kovac. Kirksey are out which is what we knew. Mercedes Lewis is now doubtful in this game. Some other bad news not only is Devante questionable which a lot of people are already saying yeah sure he's going to play fine. Uh, I really hope so. and I, I'm leaning toward he will but I'm, I'm nervous. Likewise Kenny Clark is questionable. He's been limited all week. He never got downgraded any of that stuff. Josiah Deguara is limited questionable. Sedarius has been limited all week. He's questionable. So hopefully all these questionable or these limited guys that are questionable are fine and good to go and, and everybody's going to be fine. Because these are really, really important pieces, but it gets worse. J.K. Scott showed up on the injury report on Saturday, didn't practice, and is questionable for this game with an illness. Rashawn Gary, who was limited on Thursday and Friday, didn't practice on Saturday and is questionable for this game. So that's bad news. And Jair, who was full participation Thursday and Friday, didn't practice Saturday and is now questionable. I... If we don't panic about the injuries, we're fine. But dude, Devontae Adams, Jair, Kenny Clark, Josiah Rashan, Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, Zadarius, J.K. Scott, these are not small things. This is like the core of our team, with the exception of like our offensive line and our quarterback. Everybody else that is absolutely critically important to winning any game, regardless of the opponent, is right now questionable to play this game. That sucks. Now, for the Falcons' side, Takaris McKinley is officially out. Again, not the greatest football player, but he's been kind of pretty hot lately. Don't have to worry about him. He's out. Keanu Neal, talented safety, is out. Uh, Young ho Koo, the kicker I already mentioned, is going to be out. He is out. Ricardo Allen, the other safety, is officially out. Um, also, Julio Jones is questionable, similar to Devante, limited all week, questionable, probably going to play. Calvin Ridley, limited, limited, questionable. Everybody else that was on the list uh, apparently is good to go. So anyways, what I'm looking at right now is a defense that has no ability to penetrate our offensive line with the exception of Grady Jarrett, who again has to go up against Corey Lindsley, the best center in football, who is dominant in every facet of the game. If Devontae's playing, we're talking about a currently top 10 wide receiver, the number one quarterback in football, Aaron Jones, and again, this offensive line plus whatever it is we're doing with Tita. It's just, it's it's very difficult, because I'm looking at a defense that has Fowler, who is graded as the 102nd best pass rusher out of 105, so one of the worst in football. Takaris McKinley's out. Grady Jarrett is talented, but similar to a lot of guys, he hasn't found his groove yet, 30th out of 122. He's okay, but he's not like, you know, in our minds what we picture Grady Jarrett, this elite dominant guy, which he is. But he hasn't been, and we don't know if he's going to figure it out this week against our offensive line. It's not the greatest, you know, whatever. Safeties, they got Kazee, and I don't know who's taking the place of Neal, but that's a nightmare because Neal wasn't that good to begin with. I mean, he's again, talented but struggling. The one really good player they got on this entire team is their linebacker, Jones, who right now is not off to the hottest start. So the Packers, depending on injury, their offense should be able to do whatever they want to this defense, just like everybody else has been able to do to this defense, but to a larger degree, because again, a lot of these guys, they got two safeties out and their best pass rusher is out. So their really bad defense just got a lot worse. The flip side that has a lot of people scared is Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and uh, Russell Gage, who um, was pointed out in my Q and A on the group yesterday, who's off to a pretty hot start. More or less, I mean, he's graded out really, really highly. But he had one really good game week one. He's kind of been going down every single week. I think he's a seventh round pick, so it's it's one of those kind of weird things. Um, something else I want to point out when we talk about defense is getting a little bit better. Somebody had mentioned again. I did a Q and A in the Facebook group, and the question is what 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 is going on with Zedarius? And you know, the, I honestly don't know, but Interesting little tidbit. Some of the ways... Okay, full big picture here. We listened to Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin had said that one thing they really want to do is take away big plays. If your emphasis is you're not going to get 20-yard passes against us, what maybe is going to be a little bit easier this year is short passes, meaning getting the ball out of your hand quickly. And if you look at the quarterbacks we've gone up against, they get the ball out extremely quickly. You look at... I'm losing it with this thing. Zadarius... Had zero pressures last week. Part of that probably has to do with the fact that the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, Mr. Drew Brees, gets the ball out of his hand remarkably quick. The, um, the other thing is teams are running the ball a lot against us. The Falcons like to pass a lot, and Matt Ryan holds onto the ball forever. They like to attack deep. That's the one thing that Mike, or Mr. Pettin is saying, no, you're not doing that. So the point is, you have an offensive line that is... Eh, You've got a team that will run the ball and will probably try to stress it a little bit against the Packers, although Todd Gurley has been absolutely horrible. Out of 56 running backs, he's ranked 55th. They've got some other... I I already mentioned they're like the worst running team in football right now. So it it just doesn't match up very well. You can run against the Packers, except they're terrible against running. You can throw, but you got to do kind of quick passes. Yeah, but we like to attack kind of a little bit deeper and sit in the pocket longer. Well, then you're just going to awaken Zedarius and Rashawn and Preston and Kenny. Because when is it that they come alive? It's third and long. Why? Because we know you're passing, and you're going to have to go deeper down the field, so you're not going to get the ball out quickly. That's when we saw a a lot of sacks pop up. Well, if your team basically operates as like a third and long team all the time, that sucks when you're playing the Packers. So I'm not making any definitive predictions here, but if if Zadarius wanted to prove that, that you know, it's just a blip and we're going to get back after it, this is the week. If Rashawn wants to make an impact, assuming he's playing, if Preston wants to make an impact, if Kenny wants to make an impact as a pass rusher, if Kingsley Kiki wants to prove that that wasn't just a fluke for one week, if Dean Lowry wants to prove he was worth any amount of money and shouldn't have just been cut... This is a great week to do so, on top of Jair needing to prove that he is actually the second best corner in football going up against a guy like Calvin, uh, to prove Kevin King deserves a contract and to not be let go after this year. Julio Jones is a perfect, because you're here for guys like Julio. That's why you're here. Those big, dominant Julio Jones, push you out of the way type guys, you don't get pushed out of the way. You are big and strong and physical, and you live for this kind of stuff, and if you shut down Julio, you have a purpose. If you don't, I'm not so sure about that. So this should be the Green Bay Packers that win, and as I've said continually, depending on injuries, this essentially comes down to if the Packers don't implode, they win this game. If the Packers continue essentially what they've been doing, even defensively, they win this game, because you can't keep up with that Packers offense against this defense. The offense will not be able to. That's the bottom line. So I'm taking the Packers in this game. Anyways... Very long episode. I got to uh, get going here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.